0: Thank you for joining us for this week's broadcast of A Word from the Lord. Today is the message entitled, The Stump of Jesse and the Root of the Lord. Here now is our speaker, Archbishop Foley Beach.
1: I don't know about you, but sometimes when you read in the Scriptures, especially parts of the Old Testament, and especially Isaiah, you you start reading a passage and you think, what in the world is this about? What? I don't understand it. It's confusing. And many times you need a commentary, especially in some of these passages, you need somebody to explain what in the world is going on. And so what I'm attempting to do during these four sermons is take some of these passages from Isaiah and explain them. Help us to understand why they're even in this season of Advent, why we hear them read. Now the prophet Isaiah began his ministry about 740 B.C., that was about 2,700 years ago. Now, he had a very unique calling. He was called to the Lord in a vision. And many of you have heard this story, but I want to share it with you. It's in Isaiah 6. This is Isaiah's calling and commission to ministry. And the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live, fiery coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. What an incredible way to be called to the ministry. Well, most of his ministry, we think it was about 40 years, was centered around Jerusalem. And his message basically had several themes. And and one of the themes was... God is not pleased with Israel. God is not pleased. God calls the the people, things like this, a stubborn and rebellious people. A nation that is deaf and blind. A people without righteousness. Without right. Think about that a minute. Without, that means none. No good. A vineyard that will be trampled. And that's another theme that we see that we're going to be conquered as a nation because of what's going on. A third theme is that God demands holiness. And a fourth theme is that God will send a Messiah and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now many of Isaiah's prophecies were fulfilled in Jesus and the rest will be fulfilled in Jesus in what Jesus called the return of the Son of Man when He comes in His glory. Now our focus for this Advent season are those prophecies that deal with Advent, with the coming of the Lord. And So if you have your Bible or if you have your Scripture insert, open with me please to Isaiah chapter 11, and we're just gonna look at the first two verses. I wish I had time for the whole chapter because it's loaded, but the first two verses will suffice this morning. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, and his roots, a branch, will bear fruit. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, and from his roots, a branch, will bear fruit. Well, who is Jesse? Remember who Jesse is? Jesse was David's father. And if you remember, David was the king of Israel about a 100 I mean, excuse me, about a thousand years before Christ. Now, do you remember the story of David being anointed as king? Jesse is doing his own thing in Bethlehem, at home, minding his own business, and the prophet Samuel shows up at his door. I want to see your sons, he says. So Jesse has his seven sons that are there parade before Samuel. And Samuel's waiting for the Lord to tell him who's going to be anointed. Well, the Lord doesn't speak. And so Samuel, somewhat perplexed, says, Well, Jesse, do you have another son? Yes, he's out in the field with the sheep. Well, we're going to stay right here. We're not going to sit down until he comes. Go get him. And so you remember the story? David comes in, and the Lord speaks to Samuel, and he anoints him as the king of Israel. Well, David reigned. And part of his reign, what he did was he gathered basically the tribes of Israel together and created a nation that became a powerful nation. And this happened 250 years earlier before Isaiah's prophecy here. So when he refers to the stump of Jesse, it's a masked way of referring to the descendants of King David. Now this stump thing, (laughs) stump, what do you think of when you think of stumps. Now, our church property right now has just had a bunch of trees cut down, and what they've been doing this week is getting the stumps up. There's stumps everywhere. Now, when I think of stumps, I think of the rotten, deteriorated stumps out in the woods that I used to, when I was a kid, I used to play in, and we used to go step on them, because if they were rotten, just enough, you could step, and you'd go through. It was fun. Or I think of in my backyard, we have vines that, that grow all over the place, and you have to cut them back all the way to the, the root, the stump. You cut it back. The stump of Jesse refers to the dynasty and the heritage of King David, which has been cut down. In Isaiah's time, it was decimated by years and years of kings that served Israel that did not serve God and did not obey His commandments, so, so the kingdom had been shattered. What was once a mighty nation was nothing more than numerous settlements at this point. There was not much left of Jesse's family line, or at least of their political power or their spiritual heritage. It had been cut down. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, and from his roots a branch will bear fruit. A shoot will come up from the stump, and a branch will come forth from its roots to bear fruit. Can you picture this? Can you see an old rotten stump and, and new growth coming out? Well, of course, we believe that Jesus is the branch, the shoot, the tender shoot. Now, I'll explain that in a minute. But what I'd like to do quickly is, is to show some other ways Isaiah uses this phrase, the branch or the tender shoot. For example, in Isaiah chapter 4, verse 2, we have this. In that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the land will be the pride and glory of the survivors in Israel. Those who are left in Zion, who remain in Jerusalem, will be called holy, all who are recorded among the living in Jerusalem. The Lord will wash away the filth of the women of Zion, He will cleanse the bloodstains from Jerusalem by a spirit of judgment and a spirit of fire. So the branch will come. And then it says, He will cleanse the bloodstains from Jerusalem by a spirit of judgment and a spirit of fire. What's the spirit of judgment? Remember last week we talked about the cross? That's the spirit of judgment. Our sins were judged on the cross and Jesus became the atoning sacrifice for our sins. What's the spirit of fire? Remember on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit descended? He descended how? In tongues of fire. In the passage we heard earlier from Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist is talking about Jesus and he said he will baptize not only with water, but what? With fire. The Holy Spirit will come as fire. Another way Isaiah uses this is in Isaiah 53, when he describes the Messiah as the suffering servant. Isaiah 53, verse 2. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us and nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and rejected by, excuse me, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Surely he took up our infirmities. He carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us. This tender shoot is going to become the suffering servant, which he did in Jesus. One other place I would like you to see is back to Isaiah chapter 11, verse 10. It talks about how the people are going to get a second chance, a second hearing. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his place of rest will be glorious. In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to reclaim the remnant that is left of his people. And he goes on and talks about how he'll gather them from the four corners of the earth. This is his second coming. He's going to come back a second time and reclaim his people. Well, Isaiah is not the only one to use this phrase, the branch. We see other prophets doing this as well. The prophet Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 33, 15, the Lord is speaking and he says, In those days and at that time I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. The prophet Zechariah, Zechariah 3.8. The Lord is speaking, and he says, Listen, O high priest Joshua and your associates seated before you, who are men symbolic of things to come. I am going to bring my servant the branch. There's another aspect of this I'd like to share this morning. The Hebrew word for branch is Nezir. Nazir. Now, I don't speak Hebrew. I I can read it, but I don't speak it, so I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right. Nazir. That's the Hebrew word for Nazareth. Who grew up in Nazareth? Jesus. You want to take the Bible really literally for a moment? Isaiah 11.1. A shoot will come up from the stump, or the lineage of Jesse, and from his roots a branch, a Nazarene, will bear fruit. From his roots, a Nazarene will bear fruit. Do you remember the story of Joseph and Mary after Jesus was born? And they go to Egypt, and they're waiting for Herod to die, and then they come back. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 22, Having been warned in a dream, Joseph withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets... He will be called a Nazarene. He will be called a Nazarene. Well, try to find where the prophet said he would be called a Nazarene. You won't find it. It's not there. But the prophets did call him a branch, which is the same word for Nazareth or a Nazarene. It gets better. Jesus said in John chapter 15... I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. If you know the rest of that, he goes on to talk about how the, the branches are engrafted into the vine, and he is the vine. He's taking claim to an historic prophecy from Isaiah. Well, that's verse 1, the stump of Jesse. Well, let's look at verse 2, the Spirit of the Lord. Isaiah eleven two, 2. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of power, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Well, the first thing we need to do here is connect this with David because he was talking about the lineage of Jesse and David. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, we we have recorded what happened when Samuel anointed David as the king. 1 Samuel 16 verse 13. So Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the presence of his brothers, and from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in great power. As the Spirit empowered David, so the Spirit will empower the Messiah to accomplish his ministry. Remember when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist in the River Jordan? What happened? He was baptized and then what happened? The Spirit descended as a dove, lighted upon him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my Son whom I love and whom I am well pleased. The ministry of the Spirit... Now here we have a sixfold ministry of the Spirit. And and I have to say, scholars and theologians kind of argue or debate about whether these are ministries, roles, aspects, attributes of the Holy Spirit. And for our purpose this morning, we're not going to get into all that. I just want to point out what they are. A spirit of wisdom. A spirit of understanding. A spirit of counsel. A spirit of power. A spirit of knowledge. And a spirit of reverence or fear of the Lord. To fear the Lord means to revere Him, to reverence Him. Isn't this what what you would like in your life? Wisdom, understanding, God's counsel, spiritual power, knowledge, and reverence. To know how to revere Him. Pray for the Holy Spirit's ministry in your life. Pray for the Holy Spirit's ministry in your friends and in your family and your loved ones. That's how the Apostle Paul prayed. Remember in Ephesians chapter 1, he prayed for his fellow believers like he did in many of his letters. But here he draws on this this passage from Isaiah. Listen for the words wisdom and understanding and counsel and power and knowledge. And watch how he reveres the Lord. Ephesians 1.17 I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope of which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the same, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. And then listen to how he reveres the Lord. That power is like, is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. A great prayer to pray for your life, and for your friend's life, and for your family's life. Well, back back to the prophecy. This spirit, the spirit of the Lord, is to be on the Messiah. Now, Luke tells us in his gospel about Jesus going back to Nazareth when he was a little bit older. In Luke chapter 4, we hear that he goes back to worship, and he shows up at the synagogue, and they ask him to read the lesson, kind of like we read the lessons earlier today. So, Jesus opens up to the passage for the day and the passage that day is from Isaiah. It's also a messianic prophecy and it also talks about the Spirit of the Lord. Jesus begins to read, Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolls the scroll back up and he gives it to the attendant there. And then as was the custom when someone was to read the lesson, he was to speak. So we're told that everyone in the synagogue was listening, waiting, anticipating. All their eyes were on him and you just feel the pregnant pause there. He claims it for himself. He says he has the spirit of the Lord on him. He claims to be the Messiah, the one of whom Isaiah speaks. What was the response of the people? Now remember, these folks grew up with him, and Nazareth was a small town. They thought he'd gone mad. They tried to kill him by throwing him off the cliff on which the city sits. The Spirit of the Lord, it was to empower the Messiah. And Jesus claims that. And, of course, we know now that the Spirit is given to all who repent and to all who come to Him by faith through Jesus, that the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost was made available to everyone. So we have two prophecies from Isaiah, the stump of Jesse and the Spirit of the Lord, two prophecies about the coming of the Messiah, and Jesus fulfilled them both. Amen. Thank you for listening to a word from the Lord. I would like to take a few moments and and give you the opportunity to become a believing Christian. I know today we have a lot of folks that go to church and are real religious, but if you were to ask them if they really know Jesus Christ, they wouldn't know what you were talking about. And I don't know if you're one of those people this morning, but if you've never become a believing Christian, I'd like to give you a, just a simple ABC, not a gimmick, but, but just the way it is. And, and a is for acknowledging that you're a sinner. We live in a culture which says, you know, basically we don't make mistakes, but we do. And when we measure up against God's Ten Commandments, um, all of us have fallen short in some way. We've all messed up, and, and that's called sin, and we need to acknowledge that. The B is, is to believe, to believe in Jesus and what he's done on the cross is God's remedy for our sin, is God's solution for being alienated from him, to believe that through Jesus I can be made whole and I can be healed that I can be forgiven. And the C is for confess, confess Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. A lot of folks receive Him as their Savior. They want their, what I call, fire insurance, make sure they don't go to hell. But they aren't willing to allow Him to be their Lord, to be the one who uh, is the master of their life, and, and to confess that, uh, to be willing to share that with those you love and those you care about, that Jesus is your Lord. So it's really that simple, um, and yet it's that powerful that it makes such an eternal difference acknowledge that you're a sinner believe that Jesus is the solution and confess that Jesus is your Lord I invite you to stop what you're doing right now and and say a simple prayer Uh, confess your sin to him tell him you believe in him and then begin to confess him as your Savior Lord if you've done that I encourage you to uh, let me know I'd like to send you some materials to help you grow in your Christian faith it's it's like becoming a baby all over again, and there's some things you need to know, some, some things you need to learn in order to walk with God.
0: That was Dr. Beach with today's message. For more information on this message and this ministry, please visit awordfromthelord.org. There you will find today's message and previously aired messages, where you can listen to them again and share them with friends and family. A org has audio archives of Foley Beach's one-minute radio feature and much more. So visit awordfromthelord.org for audio, articles, and information about the ministry. You can find A Word From The Lord on Facebook, and be sure to click the Like button to follow our feed on Facebook. You'll want to be sure to visit Foley's blog at bishopfoleybeach.blogspot.com. On the blog, you can read the many articles posted by Dr. Beach. Many of these blog entries are excerpts and full articles published in local publications. You can also follow Foley on Twitter. His Twitter address is twitter.com at Foley Beach. If you have any comments or questions about the program, you can contact Dr. Beach by email at FoleyBeach@awordfromtheLord.org. at a word from the Again, his email is Beach at a word from the You can contact us by mail. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia, 30655. Our mailing address again is P.O. Box 636, Monroe, Georgia, 30655. Whether you send us an email or write to us, we'd love to hear from you. A word from the Lord is made possible by God's grace through the continued prayers and loving financial support from you. We thank you for this opportunity to spread the hope of the gospel of Christ through this ministry. Join us again next time for the next broadcast of A Word from the Lord. For Dr. Beach and everyone here at A Word from the Lord, it is our prayer that you would be seeking A Word from the Lord.